Because <laughs> I'm not going to do it with anybody, hello. Hey folks, welcome to the Creative Language Learning Podcast with Kirsten Cable and Lindsay Dow. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 42. My name is Kirsten from fluentlanguage.co.uk and I'm, as always, here with my wonderful co-host Lindsay Dow from Lindsay Does Languages. How's the languages going, Lindsay? Not bad, not bad. Excellent. I have been, you know, since I've joined Snapchat, which is my latest obsession, and everybody, you should add me on Snapchat as fluent language. On Snapchat, I've been noticing the, the enormous variety of language that you have in your practice session. Would you? Can you tell me a bit more about that? One day it's Japanese, next day it's German, next day it's French? Yeah, it's a bit mental at the minute. Well, sometimes on Snapchat, I'll just like say a sentence in a language that I'm not actively learning just to kind of get it into my day a little bit like German right now now we're back from Berlin mm-hmm. I'm not actually learning anymore um but I might have said something in German the other day I don't know but um you did yeah I, I, yeah, I probably did this is true so it's just really at the moment in terms of active practice Korean Japanese Esperanto and I'm kind of listening to Chinese but it's all very uh you know they're they're all kind of quite low level low priority right now so it's quite pleasant to just be in a place where I can be like oh here we go this one and this one and that one which it hasn't been like that for a long time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool. and that's kind of the joy of of I, I guess oh I guess that's the joy of uh polyglottism of <laughs> of coming in and Having the curiosity, having the excitement about lots of different languages. Yeah. Um, And I feel like at the minute I'm kind of taking a break from the intenseness of really focusing on one language, which I have been for so, so long, like six years pretty much of degree time was basically focusing on one language, especially the last couple of years of that. So it's nice to just be able to freely go and to, uh, to play with with language a little bit is fun. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I've I've been doing none of that. I mean, I've I've recently shared my list um, of languages that are kind of have made it onto onto this sort of list. You know how we all have a bucket list of languages that we're never going to end up really getting round to. But well, that's not the attitude. <laughs> you won't get to them if that's no. ah. Tut tut tut. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to come out on the mic. <laughs> came out in my headphones yes <laughs> so, so um no but that list of languages t- to be honest at the moment i'm i'm in a bit of a revival phase after going to berlin as well which i can wholly recommend to everybody you know just go to a language event because it does kind of make you makes you excited about various different things again it's wonderful to have the energy of a room of people who are all into the thing that you're into and if that is languages which it probably is since you're listening to our show then that is a really really great place to go and particularly that the the languages that I got very excited about weren't new ones even though I I attended talks about Japanese and Greek and some other languages that weren't completely new to me what really intrigued me were the languages I already knew. Like you saw me in the Latin talk. Yeah. I was very excited about Latin. 
Like a kid in a sweet shop. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So I'm sort of in a phase of coming back to a few of the languages that I have studied before, um, because it's it's a shame to kind of let it wither, isn't it? So you've got, if I've got seven to work with at various levels of expertise, maybe it's time to get back um, and revisit a few of them, kind of bring them back up to levels where I can do more with them, even Latin, even Latin, <laughs> very far from dead. So it's Latin Luxembourgish and Welsh continues to capture my heart throughout 2016. I love it. Okay. Shall we get into topic of today's show? First of all, we've got a little sponsor message for you. And our sponsor today, we're in another bout of podcasters doing it for themselves. Um, as in, sorry about that. Um, as in, Lindsay is actually our sponsor this time. So, Lindsay, would you like to give us a one-minute speech about your product? A one-minute speech? I don't know if I've prepared that much. Starting the timer. <gasps> well, today's sponsor is the Online Teaching Starter Kit which is my brand new step-by-step -step online course to get you started with your own online teaching business. Or maybe you already have Tour Online and you're ready to make it grow and make it happen and make it become something awesome, in which case you're going to love this. So the course is split into five units. You've got the Legit Tutor, which is my favorite name of any of the units. You've got the Tech Savvy Tutor, the Reputable Tutor, the Awesome Tutor and the Expanding Tutor. And each one of these lessons that there's like between sort of four and seven lessons within each unit and each lesson is directly answering all of the questions that I received personally in my inbox about teaching online. And so you've got video lessons responding to these with tech training where necessary. And there's also an interactive workbook that goes hand in hand. So rather than say, do this, this is how you do this. I'm saying, this is what I do. There's a couple of alternatives. Now you need to decide what's best for you. Mm -hmm. And online teaching is a, I wonder, I mean, obviously Lindsay is an online teacher. I am an online teacher as well. And both of us have done work with other online teachers, kind of guiding them through um, sort of really our own pitfalls, I guess, and the things that worked for us. And between you and me, what do you think? Is it a job you'd recommend for other people? Is it a job I'd recommend for other people? Yeah, totally. it is, isn't well, it? It's my favourite job I've ever had. Mm -hmm. It's the longest job I've ever had. And I must say, for me, it's it's also, it is the most flexible job I've ever had. And it is the most, in a way, it's the most rewarding job I've ever had. I've, I've always felt an, a kind of real satisfaction in helping people. Um, in as as we all do, and we're programmed to as humans. But you know, helping people acquire knowledge, helping people realize something and come to conclusions, makes me very makes me very excited when I'm able to facilitate that. When I'm able to be in that context, it's online teaching gives you this kind of awesome angle where you can help somebody have little realizations or take the steps towards those little realizations, like in their lunch break or you know, wherever you might be. And it's so, I love the flexibility of it. I love not just for me as the teacher, but for my learners who are able to fit this into their day just because it is conducted online. There's so many advantages to this. And the reason I think Lindsay's 
course is such a good fit for the episode is because that is exactly what we're going to tell you about later. It sounds awesome. Where can people find out more about it? You can find out more at fluentlanguage.co.uk forward slash O-T-S-K, short for Online Teaching Starter Kit. That's right. Fluentlanguage.co.uk slash O-T-S-K. That's the place to go to find out more about the Online Teaching Starter Kit. Now, let me tell you why we are already on about online teaching, which is our job, and why we're talking about work, right? The reason for that is because... There is a question that I think itches away or scratches, no, itches away at many of us when we are learning languages and when language learning, which is an intensive activity and really becomes a big part of your life, uh, when it becomes such a big part of your life that you really start wondering what's the future hold for this or how can I interact with this more intensively? So today's topic is the question, could language make you money? Could language make you money? And first of all, my my first question to that is really, ever the questioner, is should languages make you money? Is there something that speaks for kind of going ahead and using languages in some way in your working life? What do you reckon, Lindsay? Okay, I've thought about this a lot because obviously languages do make me money. It's my job and I've made it that way. Mm-hmm. And... I think there is absolutely nothing wrong with turning your passion into profit, essentially. And with creating a business or even doing a job that, you know, being employed based on something that you love. There's nothing wrong with loving work. And I feel that in our modern society, a lot of the time, there's this kind of um, expectation that work is something that is a slog and that we dislike and that we should dislike because it's work but actually it doesn't have to be like that and there's nothing wrong with it not being like that Mm -hmm. yeah I think that's really interesting I think there's actually almost a a backlash in the working life these days where it's it's kind of desirable for for many many people who are coming into the workforce now where you're sort of perhaps between what 18 and 25 i suppose you you really do kind of look for new options and new ways of of bringing things together and that kind of well i'm going to go and work in a bank because that's a good secure job that isn't really so realistic for people anymore and i think that's to do with the fact that secure jobs are kind of a thing of the past yeah and I feel like it has changed in the sense that you know you might have left school 50 20 even perhaps years ago and whether that's school or university you go you get a job you might stay there until you retire whereas now I feel that's changed so much I mean I am 26 Lindsay does languages is the longest job I've had but that by no means means that I have zero work experience. You know, I worked in a whole load of jobs. Like I worked in retail. I worked in um, in a pub and in a restaurant. I worked in a petrol station, which was the most fun ever. I worked in a flower lab, you mm-hmm. know, all of these things. And they all shaped me and taught me different things. Absolutely. Even if they didn't use my languages, but... You know, they. I think it's valuable to have a variety of work experience. So, 
Yeah, that's that's actually I really I really like what you're saying there about all the jobs that we have in our life. They all kind of shape us and make us who we are. But the same the same is correct. The same is true as well for our passions and as such languages. If if it is your, I don't know if if I always feel incredibly passionate about Welsh or whatever. Um, but you know if if something makes you excited, if something is your joy, if something is your your kind of go to thing that keeps intriguing you so i often think if something makes you happy and curious that's that's my internal definition of what a passion really is rather than i'm feeling passionate i'm i'm always my heartbeat goes up when this happens but if something makes me happy and curious then i do want to use that in my work now for me i i'm kind of fortunate in having grown up in a geographically having grown up somewhere that is really near Luxembourg and Luxembourg is a country where most people will be somewhat capable of speaking three different languages if they're native speakers Luxembourg also has a massive Portuguese population 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 <laughs> uh, Luxembourg also has a massive Portuguese population and what that does is that um I've always been really aware that languages are kind of around me and because Luxembourg is a big, it's kind of our biggest, nearest trading international city, capital of a country and a big influential city with a lot of employment in the area of the European Union politically. Um, it's always been this thing where you can look at the newspaper like our local newspaper, the, the kind of um, newspaper of Trier, where half the people are winemakers or something, you can pretty much open that newspaper and on the back it'll say, you need to speak English for this job and you need to speak French. Like French, French is an advantage. That's been really, really common. So ever since I was about maybe even 13, 14, very young, I kind of knew that it's possible to make money with your languages, that it's possible to bring languages into your work. And my secondary education, especially after school, really took that path and I kind of went down that road. And my main reason to work with your language, so if we're going back to should you use a language in your work, the, the, the other reason that you have is, number one, exactly like Lindsay says, yes, because... If it's your passion, if it makes you happy and curious, then you should use that as much as possible in your life. And work is more than a third of most people's lives. So hell, why not? And the other reason for me is that it makes you better at languages. You know, you the more you work with your language, especially bearing in mind that language learning is something that we do based on our desire for human connection, the more you work with that, the more you'll be able to enjoy and get better at what you're doing. So actually making a language a part of your job, it's not a qualification as such. It's it's kind of also a consequence. It's also something that you can get better and better and better at. Maybe a bit like if you were a professional cyclist or something. You you're meant to come out better than you then you go in, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this was always something that held me back for a long time because I chose not to go to standard university and I chose to do open university, which, you know, to me at the time, the only reason I did that was for to work with languages because 
I was working in petrol station and I decided I didn't want to go to university, but I knew that I still wanted to learn languages. I didn't just want to leave it there at A-level. I didn't want that to be the end. I really enjoyed it. And I wanted to learn more and I wanted to learn about more languages and more cultures. And I remember I had um, job interviews at the time for teaching um, French in primary schools in kind of for working for like a franchise teaching French clubs. And I had I actually had a job interview at Disneyland Paris as well, thinking this will be brilliant. I can improve my French and work abroad and live abroad. This is going to be so exciting. And do you know what it was? In fact, when I, I had the interview at Disneyland Paris and the interview was in French and I was so nervous that I just, I th- you know, they, they, they liked me and they said, so do you think you'll, you'll, you'll be good for this job? Do you think you'll take it? I was like, no, I don't think my French is good enough. Oh no. Sorry, bye. And kind of like <laughs> just left, left on that note of, oh, well, I guess that's that. Oh, and this yeah. is this is a really interesting one. There's something really interesting and important in there as well, which is exactly like that's such a good example of you're not meant to, you know, like not you're meant to be bad at it at the start, but you're meant to, you know, you're meant to come out better than you, than you go in when you go into any type of employment with languages. Of course. And but like you say, you know, you have to go in good enough and you have to be of a good enough standard to use it for work but yeah of course it's going to be something you improve which is why if you love it it can be a great thing to get to a level where you can work with languages and then to go beyond that through work is cool absolutely absolutely and the other thing for me was that I um I started this really really early like I worked with my languages when when I was Again, when I was a teenager, I was intensely learning languages just because my school allowed me to do lots of them. And a lot of the lessons were in languages. So I just took whatever I could get. And when I was sort of 14, I was doing maybe English, French and Italian. And then when I was 15, it was Latin instead of Italian. So I always did three. And between the ages of 12 and 22, I always did three foreign languages at once. And I really, really early on had the option of taking an afternoon job of going to the vineyard with my family because my family are winemakers, you know, so they're self-employed. So it's literally like, child, you're coming to the vineyards because, <laughs> because you know, we need you. Do some work, be, be useful. Um, and the job that I, I guess, kind of invented as, as an alternative to going to the vineyards, <laughs> as wonderful as it is, you don't want to do it every day, not necessarily, um, was I started tutoring kids who were like in lower classes or in a different school to me I started tutoring in English and in French so this was my part-time job when I was 14 15 and the at the time my desire and my my main concern was not does this make me money my main concern was um I get to kids improve yeah but also I, I get to sit here and do French for another hour and then what I found really early on was and I I was nowhere near as good as I am now but I was good enough because that's the secret of teaching right you just have to be a little bit further along the road and what I found was that explaining French grammar to somebody else I had moments where I realized what the French grammar you know it was like doing my grammar homework again yeah, yeah, I can relate to that because 
Um, I wasn't quite 14, but I was a bit older when I started to kind of think, oh, is this a thing? Could I teach people that, you know, even though I'm, I'm still learning? Um, and I actually was in my school when I did my A-levels, it was compulsory to do this thing, which sounds awful, the name they gave it. It was called community service. <laughs> oh this sounds this sounds awful if maybe if you're an american listener it doesn't sound as awful but in britain that's what they use when you um what you can do instead of going to prison if you've done something naughty yeah but i hadn't (laughs) been to prison i i didn't do this to not go to prison sure Lindsay. sure honest (laughs) but it was I, I don't know why they called it that it was very strange but basically it was something that you had to do mm-hmm. once a week it was like one hour a week and you had to do something either within or without of school so for a long time I volunteered at um brownies and that counted and I did just get that signed off by my brownie leader and take that into the into the school but I for the first year I think went into a French class a year seven French class and I think that was when I realized I was walking around and I was helping these children, even though I hadn't quote unquote finished French or finished learning French, I was still able to help these children in this French class. And you're right, it was nice. It was like reinforcement and the stuff that had slipped my memory that had kind of lost importance as I'd gone on to learn about politics and the environment and immigration, you know, things like um, he plays um, and then he does when you're talking about sports, stuff like that, like jouer and faire for sports and whether it goes with an at and a de and all of those really basic things were completely reinforced and it was like oh this is this is really useful as well as as being enjoyable and being necessary because it was community service exactly (laughs) yeah I can I can relate to that so we have kind of we have three big reasons why you should work with your languages or you should look at incorporating languages into your career in some way number one because you love it otherwise you wouldn't do it at least if you're listening to our show, you probably love it. Uh, number two, because it makes you better at learning a language and not just at learning a language, it makes you better at your language. And like Lindsay says, it reinforces it. You know, it really kind of keeps you going. And number three, because there's a big aspect of human connection. Now, the next question that you might ask yourselves is, OK, so could uh, can i get a job with my languages is that a thing that can happen or is the rule um that really self-employment is the way to go and or you might really be interested in self-employment in online business you might want to become an online teacher fluentlanguage.co.uk slash otsk place to go um or you know you you might just wonder what, how on earth does this fit into your career? So I've got the Prospects website here. Prospects is the career service for UK universities. But even if you're not in the UK and you're not going to university, I think their careers advice is usually really solid. They've got lots of profiles of different kinds of jobs, really interesting stuff. And at least in Britain, if you do languages, normally you will do higher education as well. That seems to be seems to go together often. So what prospects are listing is they're kind of talking about jobs that you can do with your languages and I really like how they've split it up they say they they talk about what can you do with a modern languages degree so number one jobs related to your degree include and this list is um well tell me what you think of it Lindsay okay it says interpreter secondary school teacher translator oh my god I am shocked I think I need to sit down. 
that the list? Is that the extent? It says jobs directly related to your degree. And then they've got another list of jobs where your degree would be useful. But I found, I've been doing careers mentoring with uh, students in modern languages degrees mostly for the last three years. And I often find that they come to me and they say, is that all? Is that really everything? Is that what I'm qualified for? Because as much as translation, interpreting and secondary school teaching sounds kind of nice, it's also, I don't know, what do you think? It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't get me very excited. I think because there's so much more. I mean, I guess perhaps if you looked at the maths page, in that in that box it would probably say secondary school maths teacher <laughs> mathematician absolutely and calculator maker i don't know it would probably <laughs> be like three my point is it would be three yeah very maybe calculator calculator oh my goodness calculator maker isn't an expected job but it would be three very expected jobs and then perhaps i mean does it say anything else it in addition it does okay i think here here's why i think this is probably so disappointing on first read if you're a modern languages student or if you're a learner of any languages the reason we learn languages is not because we are because we love staring at words right when you're learning a language you're learning so much more than just a language and that's where maybe these jobs where your degree would be useful list comes in because what we're learning is the skills of how you can talk to people the skills of how you run a conversation what you're learning I think really significantly is you're learning what is the world like? What is another country like? Is everywhere the same as where I live? And this might not be as tangible, but it is extremely valuable. Don't underestimate how extremely, how strong this is. And as you translate, as you teach a language in a school, it is true that what you're basically having to pay attention to is things like your word order and your grammar and your vocabulary. But what you really have underneath there is a knowledge of what you're translating this into, what world you're taking things from, right? So what we're actually doing when we're learning languages, I think, is we are learning about how we can, how we can enter a parallel world, a parallel universe almost. Is that a bit too much? No, I don't think that is. <laughs> it's quite extreme, but I'll let you. I'll let you. I'll let you take it. Okay. I think. See, yeah, like I don't know because I'm not a translator. It's not something I've ever done. But mm -hmm. in terms of teaching, I know that I, I always try to incorporate culture and like the the stuff beyond the first layer of language when I'm teaching. Yes. Does that make sense? So you know, I have resources about um like each country that speaks spanish and french and we'll discuss them kind of in turn we'll have a lesson dedicated to that country we'll have some reading activities some listening some um some some writing and some you know focusing on different skills and then different grammar points as well about a topic that's wider than just my mum has brown hair and she lives with me and my dad mm -hmm. you know something that's a bit beyond that that goes deeper, that goes that level deeper, which I think is important to, to teach. But yeah, like I say, I guess that would also be important for translation and stuff, but I don't know because I've never done it. 
Massively. I mean, I have, well, as we get through this podcast today, you're going to realize that Kirsten seems to have had every job ever <laughs> with languages. I feel a bit, I feel a bit exposed here. But yeah, I, I, I've got my my master's is in translation studies, so I went to university and studied it, and then I did work for a little while as a freelance translator. And I, what what really struck me is that you've got to know if you're translating something from German into, say, British English you've got to know whether the concept of what the German text is talking about actually exists in English. And it's not always true. And things like the German notorious punctuality, for example, you, you might put that into a text and you might write the word, like the German text might say, be punctual. Um, you have to be aware of how that reads to a British reader yeah. and that it may not be... It, it, the politeness level is entirely different. <laughs> the you know, there's so much behind it. Just those few words is so the translator has to be the person who really takes the text and makes it suitable for the reader. And that I think that's what the what is the interesting bit about translation, the puzzle of it. Yeah. See, this like I always loved doing translation exercises when I was studying. You know, not like serious translation, but kind of translating stuff. Um, but I feel like that's the reason I couldn't be a translator because I feel like there's actually a lot of pressure and even more so with interpreting. I, I feel like it's, I, I could probably just about cope doing translation, but interpreting, I could never, I always said it's the one thing I could never do. It's just so intense, I imagine. And mm. I, you know, hats off to anyone who can do that. I have done it once. There's just not a lot. <laughs> I knew there's... you were going to say you have. <laughs> This is going to be the theme, oh God. Um, There's just not that much demand because I would have loved to do it. I love talking to people and I I can train myself in attentive listening. I'm not a great attentive listener in conversation, but when I'm teaching or when I'm working, um, my attention, I like that. I like that I get to do that. I like to get really focus my attention, but it is very intense. The context in which I did it was in uh, a medical environment so I was uh, translating between a doctor and a patient because the doctor wanted to make sure that his patient entirely understood what was going on and I would I would love to do more more of that but there just isn't a huge demand in the market for a German English translator because the Germans are quite good at English um, and there isn't that much migration or immigration with the language skills that are relevant for that kind of thing if that makes sense Mm, that makes sense there's just not that much demand for a german english interpreter in a field that would be really exciting and i think this kind of leads me to we're talking about translation and interpreting secondary school teaching it goes without saying that's an employment translation and interpreting going to park them here a little bit and bring them back later and talk about them in the context of self-employment, which is something that we want to touch on today. Now, okay, Lindsay, are you ready for the much more really wonderful, exciting list where your modern languages qualification would be useful? Okay. I love that one. It is broadcast journalist, diplomatic services operational officer, English as a foreign language teacher, International aid or development worker, logistics and distribution manager, marketing executive, patent examiner, what? Sales executive and tour manager. Okay. I feel like this category here of 
jobs where it would be useful could essentially be every job if you decide to do it either A, abroad, or B, in a place where there's a multilingual population, right? Mm -hmm, The mm -hmm. second thing that comes to mind there is the English as a foreign language teacher being a job if you speak one languages. Because I just know that's... it's a different thing. It's yeah, different... I, I, I don't feel like TESOL is even like... a language-related profession as, as no. such. It's a travel job, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a different thing, and mm-hmm. I disagree with that being on this list. Because also I think it's better when you don't speak the language of the people that you're teaching. In that wider sense, in a sort of classroom environment, it can be quite an advantage, as weird as that might sound. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel like, yeah, anything could really fit into this category, not just what they've said there. I like that they chose, uh, logistics distributions because that is a very, it's just, I think they looked for international fields maybe. Yeah, I can see that. I like that. I don't know why on earth it says patent examiner, but I am intrigued. Um, out of the rest, I've had probably at least two of those jobs. (laughs) <laughs> I have worked in in sales in international sales and I think the the general overarching theme exactly like Lindsay is saying is if your company if your company your employer operates internationally and this goes for you listener particularly if you're currently working somewhere and your company operates internationally and you've got skills in those languages and you are not currently in that division that might be something to really investigate because they're going to like you for lo- for speaking that language. And that is going to be a real opportunity to connect, definitely. I am reminded of my friend uh, Jessica, who is a market researcher and was able to, in the USA, and she was able to start really focusing more. She wanted to talk to me about how she can improve her languages and equally how she can focus more and did in the end on working with the Hispanic population in particular in the USA. So market researcher in America might be a job that you don't think is language related at all, but it totally gets in there because it's about the different communities that you serve. So it, and whether you serve an international market or not. So my main background in this and this this goes i think you'll agree lindsay goes definitely in the here's how you can get a job with languages category Mm. and in terms of jobs here in the northwest of england you wouldn't think that there is a lot of opportunity to speak french and german in kind of everyday life this is not you know a london international metropolis it's a little bit more remote And yet I have had jobs in like the deepest, darkest depths of Lancashire where I have spoken French on the phone to our sales manager for the company every single day. And I was processing the orders and I was using all the French I had learned and I never got better in French than during that year that I worked for that company. And this is just up here. So don't think just because you're in an area that looks monolingual, that all your job opportunities are monolingual. That's that's true. I think it has to be said that it's harder. Like It's just not a... You can't take it as a given. It won't be handed to you. Yeah. I mean, I know, for example, here in Milton Keynes, there are a lot of big international companies when it comes to um, sort of multilingual opportunities in particular. For example, there's a huge Santander presence. If I go shopping... Mm-hmm. In Milton Keynes, I'm guaranteed to hear someone speak Spanish, which I like. Um, 
you know, if I wanted to work at Santander, there would be jobs there. But I think the thing also is, and this is what I found hard because like you've said, you had a lot of these jobs. I And I don't know if I said it already. I haven't actually had mm, language specific related jobs other than what I do now. When I was working in a school before Lindsay's Languages, I was a learner support assistant in a school and I would take small groups out and teach them French and teach them Spanish. But the job specifically was not that, right? So, but at the same time, I, I looked a lot for jobs and I never found anything that struck me because everything was very office or admin based. And it sounded like, okay, well, it's a boring job, but I get to speak French or it's mm-hmm. a boring job, but I get to speak Spanish. And for me, that was never enough. That that was what my job was where I spoke French. It was a, it was the kind of job that you can just leave when you leave you yeah. know whereas yeah. self-employment you can't leave self-employment when and you I tell you, leave yeah, work I've, I've had jobs like that I've had jobs where you you leave at 5 p.m or 5 30 and boom that's it you're done you are not expected to take work home and I loved that I loved it mm-hmm. so that would be that kind of thing where you you go or you go in in the morning you can leave your job you can you don't have to worry about it too much over the weekend you know you have that kind of work-life separation that can be at you know at, at different times in your life as well if that's what you want that's what you're looking for you don't have to miss out on using your languages but like Lindsay says especially I think when you're perhaps coming out of university and you're like you know you're really ready to like I'm gonna do my thing I'm gonna make my mark on the world you know you, you want more than an office job I can really relate to that mm, definitely and that was always the case and it was it was definitely um, I think I mentioned earlier you know I I didn't have a degree I wasn't going to university but I still wanted to work with languages and it was really hard to find something that that fitted and that, that worked for me and I, I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't find anything that that I really felt passionately about which is why I then thought okay well I guess for these these fun jobs like you know the video game tester always came up and I thought yeah I don't really like video games but I could do it I guess it's better than the answering the phone job because that just didn't appeal to me at all and so I figured okay so all of these ones that sound a little bit more interesting that pay a little bit more money they do need a degree so okay I'm gonna do open university I'm gonna get a degree and then it was kind of during that time that I started doing my own thing and making my own money with languages because I couldn't wait for six years <laughs> and it worked luckily. So I'm kind of, I'm okay, but absolutely, it's definitely not easy to not just, not just to find a job with languages, but to find a job that you love. So then to find a job that you love that uses your languages, it sounds like I'm trying to put people off here. I'm just trying to be real. No, I think I think it's really important for people to know. I think it's really important if you're listening to this and you're you're what 18 or something like that and Kirsten is such an old lady oh god. But <laughs> you know, bear with me because I think it is important to also know that even if you find your dream job or even if something doesn't look like your dream job that's okay because it's it's temporary and what everything adds up to is it adds up to a long career. It's funny you should mention the video game testing job because I went for an interview for one of those as well. Of course you did. (laughs) (laughs) I really have tried a lot throughout my career and, and kind of I did have one job which was funnily enough I not a job where I could use my languages very much 
at all, which was the international recruitment job, but it was a job that allowed me to travel, which is something that I wanted to do at that time, but I didn't want to do that TESOL travel thing. Um, mm. partly... I didn't want to up sticks and because I feel yeah. like, you know, it's sometimes perhaps, dare I say it, sometimes that can be overrated. Yeah, that's well. I've never been. I've that's never been the kind of digital nomad person. And to be honest, at the time that I graduated, like the internet just wasn't so online businessy yet. Uh-huh. And this is now something that, and we're going to really come into online teaching main topic in a minute. And one of the great things about working online is that it gives you that flexibility of location. However. At the time where, yeah, like you say, I wasn't kind of settled with a husband or boyfriend or cat and all that stuff. I, at that time, the internet wasn't really so far that I would have felt ready. I would have felt like the opportunities are there to start my own business. And this is literally like seven years ago, this or, you know, six, seven, eight, nine years ago. Not very, very long at all, but it's come along such a long, long way. But what I took at the time was I took an opportunity to travel in my work, but I had to forego the languages and I had to kind of maintain my languages on my own. Didn't get a lot of opportunity to speak the languages, but at least I worked in an international environment. So that was, it's sometimes you got to compromise, but every, every job that you have will be kind of right for you at that point in your life. And it's, it's so difficult to put so much pressure on it, which brings me back to our kind of core question, which is, could language make you money? Uh, we're not talking about, is this your calling and your career for the rest of your life? It's just what might be fun, what might be a fun and triable, if that is a word, opportunity for you to make money with your languages. And that's where I think prospects Prospects won't tell you exactly what Lindsay and Kirsten are telling you because I think Prospects talks about careers, whereas what we're talking about is something else, right? A self-employment is not a career in that sense because you can't get promoted. You, you've just promoted yourself to boss. Yeah, and then you promote yourself in terms of, you know, you decide your salary, et cetera, et cetera. But mm-hmm. I, I really, I just want to draw on that point that you said about... um it's a temporary thing when you have a job it so feels like well this is it this is me now I guess this is what I do and I guess this is me for the next five six ten twenty years and it's so easy to feel that way but everything is temporary and it's important to remember that I just wanted to reiterate that's absolutely true so Getting a job with your languages, I think, is my main advice to you would really be not don't don't wait until a job title comes along that says we need a speaker of this and this and this or translator or interpreter. Don't wait for that. Don't look at it from the outside, but instead look at it from the inside. And what I mean by that is look at the company and think about what they're going to need. And even if the job application or the job vacancy that you think is interesting doesn't specifically name languages, what you can do is you can still go and have an interview with them. And that that interview is a chance for you to also try and see if that company is a good fit. And it allows you to then say, hey, look, 
I've graduated from a degree or I have not, you know, but I am, I am a aspiring polyglot or I am a polyglot and speak five languages. What you got? You know, you work internationally. Where is your need? Where is your international kind of need or where is your language need? And can I do something for you? I think that really, really goes a long way and has in the past worked out for me very, very well. So that is in terms of getting a job. Now, Lindsay Dow. Hello. Make me a case for self-employment. Oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> Where to begin? So you may have guessed, if you're listening to this and you've heard me talk so far, that I never really fit into a job. I never found something. I never clicked. Something was always just not there for me. Something was always missing. And I think for me, at least, the answer to that was self-employment. I needed to be in charge. I needed to be, I, I just didn't respond well to authority, I think. Not in the sense that my boss would say, oh, can you do this? And I'd go, no, go F yourself and storm out. Not like that. Just in the sense that I didn't like being treated and maybe you know every job I had I was always at the bottom of the pile essentially and I didn't like being there and there was it wasn't possible in the jobs that I had to progress to be further up that pile so to speak so I kind of made it my own thing and I became my own boss and it was it was a risk and it was very scary at the time because I had no uh, kind of prior business experience or anything like that. I le- I taught myself everything. I learned everything from not not so much from trial and error. You know the the very beginning stuff. I remember I had a book from the library that was like teach yourself uh, self employed accounting and, and uh-huh. stuff like this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know so all of the stuff that I I knew nothing about. I learned and I taught myself. And I started small, which was something really important. And then I grew and I I grew things at a rate that I was comfortable with and that still I was able to support myself. And yeah, I'm, I just, I couldn't be happier really with, with where it's led me. That's really interesting. And I, I really like what you said there. That is something that I think is one of the biggest things in self-employment and maybe also why self-employment appeals to us sort of language curious about other cultures type people is that language learning is driven by curiosity and self-employment is like entering a state of perpetual learning like you never stop learning it can be teach yourself small business accounting it can be you know a way that you realize that oh my god this doesn't work or my prices are way too low and and now i've got no money or whatever we you know whatever pitfalls whatever situations you might have had or you might you know have in your in the stars in the cards in your future whatever it is it's it's a learning experience i think self employment is unique in that, and you know, and as somebody who has worked in seven or eight different jobs, I think self-employment is unique in that whatever you learn, you can do something about it really, really quickly. 
you don't have to make decisions by committee or you don't have to wait for your boss to agree with you. You could just kind of do it. Yes. And also I find in some of the jobs I had, like I say, I was pretty much bottom of the pile in, in all of them, but it was very easy to, it would have been very easy for me to stay there for a long time and get comfortable and not learn, not just about work, but also like myself and to not do stuff, mm-hmm. you know, because you go to work, you go home, done. It would, it, I, I am not the kind of person who would have actively seeked out self-improvement, whereas being self-employed I, for some reason, find it much more necessary, much more enjoyable and much more, um, much easier as well to continually work towards improving myself, not not only in a business sense, but also in a general life sense mm-hmm. as well. I really like that. Yeah, self-employment is, is an ongoing challenge of so many oh, things. I have, I have a soundbite. I oh, just thought. Go ahead, right? Self-employment is self-improvement oh <laughs> shove that on a magnet self-employment is self-improvement it, i can't deny it i can't deny it so if you're into and there is a type of language learner who really is you know doing it for the self-improvement self-improvement self ah, let me do that again. Cut their feathers there is a type of language learner who is learning languages particularly with a self-improvement kind of slant in mind you know who just who generally do it as a challenge to themselves and again that particular person will be a good fit for self-employment you will really will be if you're into goal setting if you're into kind of working on you know working on your own skills in many different fields self-employment is going to fit you so well now for self-employment obviously there is translation and interpreting as we have previously mentioned the I can't speak too much to the difference of employed translator versus self-employed translator, but I have worked as a self-employed translator and it's it's kind of really cool. You will still be working with companies, you'll still have a boss, but it's a classic freelance position, which means you do some work. People know what they can expect from you. You do the work for those people. You tell them it's going to cost this much. They pay you the money and you're sorted. Now, online teaching is slightly different because there's much more of a, there's there's much more business to it. Is that right? Perhaps. I mean, I guess the difference would be if you're teaching online and you're working with individuals, perhaps a lot more then I think the hourly rate has to be a lot, not maybe, maybe not a lot, but the hourly rate that you would charge an individual is potentially lower than what you would charge as a, as a translator to a company. I think I'm not sure entirely on translation rates, but it feels that way to me. Whereas, um, so therefore when you teach online, I think it's about, more it's about seeing beyond that one-on-one hourly rate and going further to then expand your product and service range mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's definitely true and that it's not the wonderful thing about self-employment is that none of these are exclusive and i know many teachers Absolutely. who translate i know interpreters who teach and you know you can be just so much more varied which I also really love the idea that we, we haven't spoken to in any detail, but I've, I love the idea of tour guiding. Yeah. I was I was saying to Lindsay before that it's a job. I've, that's the job I've not had. And I totally want it now. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want the German language tour of Lancaster, guys, just email me. I'm totally going to do it. It's It's so wonderful to kind of, 
be able to make yourself a little portfolio. So again, you know, jobs for life are a thing of the past. We know that. But if you want the opportunity to try out what's going to fit you best and also build up experience that you may be, you know, it may be really painful that you haven't got the experience on your resume or CV right now. You you know, give it a go. Just try a little bit of um, of doing whatever you love, whether it is tutoring after school the way I did when I was 14 or whether you are 50, 60 years old and you love learning languages and you think, well, you know what, Spanish tourists do come to my town and maybe I can show them my Milton Keynes, my Lancaster, my... Houston, Texas, wherever you might be. That might be really, really cool. I love that so much. So about the specifics of working on the internet. I've already mentioned before that this is so new. This is, I, I can't even tell you how new this is. That like, honestly, when I finished my, when I finished my translation studies degree, I guess I worked online because I worked remotely, but it didn't, there wasn't online business and and kind of the way of the ease of building a website that you have these days now what you can do now with wordpress and squarespace and other website providers is incredible you can build up your own little brand um and on that note may i just give thanks and high regards to our sponsor lindsay mm -hmm. dow who will That's tell funny. you yeah who will tell you all about how to build your own brand and how to get that whole the whole stone rolling, that's German. That's a German saying. The whole ball, the ball, ball rolling. rolling in German. I was I was racking my brain there trying to think what we say. Sorry, the idiom in Germany is um, den Stein ins Rollen bringen, which is to get the stone rolling. So whatever it is that you want to get rolling, if you want to just get rolling, Germans are tough. <laughs> getting the stone rolling sounds a lot harder to do than getting the ball rolling. Yeah. When I think of that, I think of a ping pong ball and I just flick it and it goes poof. Whereas you Germans, you're like. Ugh. Get that stone rolling. That's yeah, tough. Well, well on. Hats off to you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, what can I say? We are tough. So it's that's Germans for you. <laughs> so uh, after all that, fluentlanguage.co.uk slash OTSK for the whole teacher website brand building magical goodness that is really exactly what we're talking about. But how has... So for me, being in an online business, the, the two main advantages that I perceive, and I also perceive a disadvantage, the two main advantages I perceive is that I can do it from anywhere and people can access my services from anywhere, which means I get to talk to people from around the world and I can do it wherever I would like to do it, which means I can teach from, I've taught from the USA, various different places. I've taught from cafes. My favorite ever, I've taught from um, this place in London. That's a pub, but it's in a disused post office. And uh, they had Wi-Fi in the vault. So I was teaching in the vault. <laughs> so whatever, you know, whatever you, whatever way of teaching you can, you can access, as long as you've got the internet kind of around you, you can do it. So those two things really, it's I can do it from anywhere in the world and people can access it from anywhere in the world. That's what makes me happiest about it. What about you? I think, yeah, I mean, it's the being in charge 
of my own timetable. Like I still, I'm very much, um, like I work nine to five, sometimes six, Monday to Friday, right? And I don't work weekends unless at the moment, like I've got webinars and things on Saturdays. Um, And I try not to work outside of those hours to give myself a sort of quote unquote normal job structure, right? And also the people in my life work those hours. So for me, the flexibility is having the choice within those hours to do the work. Because before, when I was teaching face-to-face, I was out from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. Very sociable, very sociable hours to work they were. And so it's getting away from that which I had before in terms of flexibility, which is kind of interesting. It's 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 flexible to me and I love it, but I've still sort of flipped it on its head and I still work nine to five, which is kind of weird. Um, what else do I love? I just... I love being able to think, right, okay, the next couple of months, um, I'm going to be doing this thing and that's my solid focus. And then I'll move on to a new project or then I'll be working with that company on this, this thing. And, you know, it's, it's almost like you have, at least with what I do, you have lots of little jobs that come together. So I, I hate the question when people say, oh, so what do you do? Or, and also people will say, and I, you don't get this when you're employed. This is something, if you're thinking about being self-employed, this is a question you will get. Oh, how do you, how do you make your money? Do you make enough money doing that? That's a question. And it's like, really? I wouldn't ask you that. And you, (laughs) it's very strange. Um, but yeah, of course, because otherwise I wouldn't do it. And if you, and if you feel like, oh, damn, I'm not making enough money this month. You know, I've I've done my forecast. It doesn't look like I'm going to earn enough. You think, right, what can I do to get more money this month? So, mm-hmm. you you know, you're in charge of that completely, which is really cool. That is really cool. And it's it's nice. It's I, I like how you're describing it there, that that kind of variety of things that you can do and people and places where you can work and connections you can make. That is something that you learn to leverage, really. So you, you kind of learn how to, you know, how to make ends meet at the end of the month. And financially, yes, it's riskier. As somebody who had a full-time job for six, seven years, you know, there is a kind of beauty to knowing when exactly your bank account is going to fill back up with money that you can do then do things with. But what that also means is that even when you have a very, very generous annual leave allocation, which here in the UK, most employees are very lucky to use there are other things um that that really go into that so that your annual leave is nowhere near as flexible which means you know if you have a day where you say you are planning a wedding like Kirsten was last year last year or Lindsay is right now sometimes you might just have to take a day off because you have to drive around and meet all the suppliers that's certainly something that happened to me last year and when you are self-employed, you're in charge of that. You don't have to ask your boss, hey, can I, you know, can I take Wednesday off? Yes, of course, but that comes out of your this allowance and all that stuff. So you have to always be accountable, which isn't to everybody's taste and not at all different as not at all different points in our lives. I think that is extremely valuable. The the way that you can control when you do what. But you know what's a negative of that yeah. though? Yeah is getting people around you in your life to understand that just because that is something you can do, it doesn't mean that you are available 24-7. 
Absolutely. Because, because, oh, you work for yourself, you work from home, so I can just come around or I can just invite you out on this random Tuesday. It's like, nope, because I'll be working. Oh, do you have any lessons that day? Nope, but I'll be working to prepare for those lessons and do other stuff that, you know, and that can be difficult to explain and to get that message across to family members and friends and people in your life that actually, you know, just because I'm in charge doesn't mean that I can say yes every time. Interesting. Yes, that's that's certainly true. That's certainly true. And it's something that perhaps over time as well, when you sort of settled, it's like all my friends work regular hours. So I, I more or less have to work regular hours if Same. I ever want to see them. Yeah. You know, so you kind of fall into that as well. And online teaching, however, though, does mean that I very, very often, because I like working with, um, or I have a lot of clients who are located in the USA. And when I work with them, very often you can't really do anything until the UK afternoon, sometimes even the late afternoon. So that fits actually in quite nicely with my general dislike of early mornings oh. <laughs> which means I can make my working hours fit me but I also can make my working hours fit my clients absolutely yeah which is really important mm. so overall flexibility massive the one disadvantage that I perceive that I think online teaching has resolved for me is that what I was lacking when I was online translating is that I was lacking any form of human contact and I am an extroverted person. I like talking, you know, I like verbally processing my thoughts, but I also really like um, other people and I love being around other people. And that's something that if you're always just stuck behind the screen, you, you start missing. Now, online teaching and offline teaching combined... I feel has been the best way for me to connect with various different people or you might want to give talks, start doing a bit of public speaking locally. There's so many different options of things that you can do. And again, that variety is where it's at for me. So online teaching, but then also expanding into perhaps taking groups, into perhaps um, online, creating an online course, something that even though I don't have a face-to-face -face interaction live with people, still gives me the opportunity to, greet, to reach a bigger group of people, to know I have helped people in, in even more places and helped even more people. That's really, really cool. And that's something that you can do in self-employment and you can kind of adjust your levels. Do you remember last week we were talking about online teaching and I sort of compared it to an orchestra and yeah. in this way, it's kind of that. Like sometimes your violins will be louder. Sometimes your trumpet will have a solo. Sometimes you're in a quiet part. And that might even mean, you know, money quiet. You know, sometimes you've got a month where it's a bit adagio and, you know, things are going slower. And then you might have a month where everything is just firing in all cylinders and really you're in the final of something. And all of that together is like the forgive me the cheesy expression, the symphony of your life and the symphony of your working life. And to be in control of that, to be like the conductor of your work symphony, that is sort of self-employment. Absolutely. Okay. Now, Lindsay, mm. what do you think is the easiest entry to becoming an online teacher? The easiest entry? Well, I started from teaching on italki to kind of dip my toe in the water 
Yeah, fluentlanguage.co.uk slash italki. But I, I know at the moment I've had people get in touch with me and say that um, they're not taking on new English tutors, I believe, right now. I think so... it's it's tight for German as well. Italki, okay. italki is a directory that has got a very large range of teachers on there and they may be opening acceptance or something like that. But there are other directories available. There are, absolutely. I mean, Verbling is another one that comes to mind. So, But I would recommend, you know, trying a platform like that or even there are websites that are unique to countries. Like I know in the UK, there's things like um, Tutor Hunt, First Tutors... Mm. Oh, I recently reviewed the Tutor Pages, which I really okay. quite liked. So I'm going to put that in the show notes for you. Tutor and Pages was a good one. Did this, I mean, I don't know about Tutor Pages, but the ones I just mentioned, they specialize in teaching face-to-face. It's like what I used to use when I was teaching mm-hmm. face-to-face. Um, but they also have an option now that is, you know, a tick box where will you teach online and you can go yes. And you can uncheck the face-to-face one. So people can find you on things like that as well but I recommend doing something like that first just to you know like I say dip your toe in the water decide is this for me is this something I'm interested in do I want to build a brand around this do I want to make this my full-time career and if so then I think maybe the online teaching style kits for you what Mm -hmm. (laughs) no absolutely absolutely the online teaching starter kit is is I would say it's not necessarily for people who just want to try something out because it's quite intense and from what you've mentioned it's it's some you know it's like I'm getting serious about this this is my thing is, now yeah yeah this isn't just because you just think you just fancy it and you want to be a mediocre teacher this is I want to be unique I want to be known for this I want this to be me and I want to build something mm-hmm. that's that's what this is exactly And as somebody who has previously worked with many online teachers on their brand and also kind of, you know, put out some guiding materials, I think that is really, it's important. It's so important to, at the start, know where you're at and know where you're heading with all of this. Yes. And, you know, everything is temporary. We have said that before. But the thing about being a self-employed online teacher, translator, interpreter tour guide or to be honest the thing about making money with your languages is the more you put in the more you get out and that can mean the more you the more you commit or the more that you kind of say this is my thing I'm really giving this a go and the the more rewards are going to kind of come back to you and one big piece of advantage that I have uh, advantage one big piece of advice that I have for you is the if you're entire if you're not entirely sure but you want to give this a go and you want to kind of see what it's like being an online teacher you know but get yourself some training materials get yourself the teach yourself you know personal accounting and all that stuff use your library as always use the online teaching starter kit uh, fluentlanguage.co.uk/otsk i'm doing well on the link mentioning in this one and what i would say for you is really time box it. This is a piece of advice that I have um, received through a a fellow podcast called Quit, which you're going to find in the podcast show notes for this podcast. Very meta, but bear with me, which is about quitting your job and starting something awesome, starting something by yourself. And the advice that I would like to share with you from that, I think is really good. Thank you, Dan Benjamin, is, and thank you, Addy Bird, is time box it. And that means think about 
if I'm really going to go, orchestra is firing on all cylinders, every instrument is playing, and I'm really giving this my all, how long do I think this is going to be for? Now, if your answer is at least six to nine months, then I think online teaching starter kit is a good investment and a good place to start. Agreed. I like that idea of time boxing. That's really cool. Mm, I love it. I love it. Especially as somebody who has in her working life of what, about 12 years, I have had about eight, nine different jobs. So it, it does help me to kind of think I'm definitely doing this and I'm sticking with this for a year or for four years. And kind of it helps you sometimes when you need a bit of structure, it helps you shape out where your life is kind of going. And with that in mind, I think the podcast is running a little bit long today, but I hope that we shared a lot of really useful perspectives on making money with languages. And what we definitely wanted to kind of bring across to you is this is something that you should, you know, you should go for. If you feel the call of foreign language uh, learning, if you feel the call of languages kind of as something that should be a big part of your life, then don't hesitate. Don't hesitate to think that this could be part of your life. Make languages part of your work because just selfishly, I'm going to say, you're going to make the world more languagey and that's the kind of world that I like. That's the kind of sentence that I like. <laughs> and the word. Languagey. Languagey. Linguistic. Languagey. Whatever it is. But, you know, you're, you're going to you're going to increase the visibility of languages and the value of languages in the working world. And that is extremely important. And that's something I absolutely love. I think that's so cool. All right. And that is it for episode 42 of the Creative Language Learning Podcast, in which we hopefully answer the question, could language make you money? Should language make you money? And is it going to be awesome? With like, yes, yes, and yes. And that is goodbye from me. Goodbye. And goodbye from Lindsay Dow. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Creative Language Learning Podcast, guys. Don't forget to subscribe and to rate the podcast in iTunes or on Stitcher. That's always very much appreciated. If you have any feedback or you've got any questions, you can email me, Kirsten, K-E-R-S-T-I-N, at fluentlanguage.co.uk, or you can find me on Facebook, Fluent Language Tuition, or on Twitter, at Kirsten Hammers, that is K-E-R-S-T-I-N-H-A-M-M-E-S. -M -M -E 